The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as the potential for the discussion about topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the persons making them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the mask-adorned, socially distanced, and HEPA-filtered Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Ed. And today we're going to revisit a category of whiskey that we discussed in one of our most popular episodes, last summer's episode 12, in which we compared Maker's Mark and Larceny to weeded bourbons, also known as weeders, which use wheat in their mash bill instead of the traditional rye. However, this time out, we chose two whiskeys that each put two different spins on the comparison that we did last time. The first is that these bourbons are cask strength expressions, which of Mm. course means high proof. Stronger. (laughs) (laughs) And the second is that while one of these is from an extremely popular and well-known brand, the other can only be purchased from a single liquor store in southern New Jersey, just 15 minutes from where we sit. So, it's local versus national here in a Weekend Tangent podcast, and Ed's here to get us going by introducing the two high-proof weeded bourbons that are going head-to-head today. Right. So, first of all, the national one will be from our friends over at Maker's Mark. Mm. They have a cast-strength version of their iconic weeded bourbon. Comes in a traditional bottle with the red wax top. Yes. Is it the same exact bottle? It looks a little different. I don't know why. I think it's a little squatter. We can check that because we have an empty around here somewhere, I'm sure. We we do. I can go in my storage room and get it. We always keep the empties for reasons we don't know. (laughs) So uh, Maker's Mark cast strength. And what we're comparing it with is something called the WR Weeder. It's a single barrel cast strength straight bourbon whiskey from our friends at Banash Liquor Store, Mm. Billy and Rich. And the guys are just great to us when we go in there. And they've just finished their second barrel. And we have bottles from both. Yeah. First of all, a lot lot going on today. We're going to talk about (laughs) the process of how you go about making your own barrel from a liquor store. Yeah. The phenomenon that that is. Is there significant difference between two barrels with the same plan and mash bill made by the same people and bottled in the same way? And then we're going to see how this local up-and-comer, how it sits up against a national cast-strength weeded bourbon. Now, people have been using some from, what is it, the Weller? I've seen the... Uh, the Weller, yeah. yeah they, I want to do something different. I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. And Weller's also hard to find. It's kind of annoying. And just, you know how irritated I got when I couldn't find McKenna so, <laughs> and, and Blanton. So, they're not going to set me off again, but... Aren't we? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Wait for it. But we sat and we talked with um, Rich over at Benash, and he was so great to take the time out to speak with us because... Because it's a you know tumultuous busy time with everybody being home. There is no more essential store, in my opinion, than the liquor store. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I would have got through the last five weeks if I didn't have a Manhattan to look forward to. Seriously, you know, sit there and watch the clock going. Come on, five o'clock. So, well, I don't judge myself. Yeah, and this was our first, I guess, official interview yeah. of anyone. <laughs> right. So it's funny. I hadn't seen Scott for um for four and a half weeks, and we met at Benashes, gloved and maxed up, full yeah. hazmat suit, like we were 
come to rescue E.T. And um, <laughs> and I finally got to go there. It was my first time going there. Scott so, never been there. No. I mean, I always talk about it. He's like, yeah, it's great. He, I mean, he has his own places he goes to. But yeah. now <laughs> he went in there and uh, he took us in the back room. That's the best thing about Rich. He lets us loose in his back room. Like, we got some stuff back here. And Scott and I bought four bottles of stuff that was on the shelves. He's, <laughs> Hello. he's, he's as sly as a fox, that guy. He knows exactly what's yeah. going to happen. He lets us go. It's like, oh, just take a look back here. See if you like anything. Pretty soon I'm walking out with Kinsey Zinfandel finish and uh, Scott's got the uh, journeyman the right? journeyman last feather rye and the uh, angel's envy rye he had back there and he had a bunch of lo- oh uh, my god it was like um, Willy Wonka's back bedroom I know it was crazy if Willy Wonka made whiskey and he should have but <laughs> so Rich is the nicest guy he took us back and he showed us an example of what you get from the distillery when you're talking about making your own barrel it's like this really cool case you open it up and it has this distilled water and it has the different samples of the different products the barrel yeah, like, so I guess they filled out some sort of a questionnaire or something right. to a- tell them what kind of flavor profile they were looking for. Right. And then Knob Creek sent back the samples that they were looking for. And then you get to like taste them and put them on water, maybe mix and match yeah, them. Right, and- right. So we asked them about the weeder specifically. And the weeder is made from spirits that have been created by MGP. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure how does a liquor store in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, go about getting their own barrel of whiskey bottled and, and on their shelves. And it's quite a process. So what you need is, in case you're wondering, you want to do it for your own liquor store wherever you are you need to have a distillery to sponsor your move right and then you tell them what you want you plan it with them the mash bill the age the proof and they reach out to mgp and mgp has different products and and they put it together with whatever the mix you want in this case the mash bill of the weeder is 60 percent corn 35 percent wheat and five percent malted barley right no rye no rye and so I happened to be in their shopping when they first came out with it. They gave me a sample. That's another place. If, if, if Rich is there, you're good to get three or four half <laughs> shots and you to start your day. It's a right. Great. So so not only did he take us into his back room and let us rummage through all of his whiskeys, <laughs> he softened us up by giving us four tastes of like yeah. different Irish whiskeys that he just happened to have open at right. the same time. Just oh. enough to get our flavor in our mouth going, hmm, I want some whiskey. And <laughs> then so it turns us loose in like a candy store. He lowered our inhibitions and then yeah, let us Rich lose. is the best. He's the best. And then these guys travel to Kentucky and meet with people. They take their craft and their business to a whole nother level. They're whiskey guys. They're whiskey connoisseurs. It is a honey hole in South Jersey. We are blessed to have them. They really like their whiskey. They're creative. And what crossed my mind was how many of these expressions are existing in the world True. across the country at some liquor store in Ohio right. or Tennessee. That we'll never know right. and or, never taste. Or, right. Or upstate New York. Uh-huh. Or, you know, it makes you wonder, what am I missing? What amazing whiskeys are out there? You know, it's hard enough to keep track of the commercial whiskey yeah it's hard enough to see who put out the last barrel strength who's but, winning all the competitions right and, right because there's several a year right who's just come out with a double barreled rye or who's just come out mm-hmm. with a, their own new blend or and, something and all the innovation that's happening and this is just a regular expression of whiskeys but it's so local it's so rare and it's a single barrel and like you said we may never taste these again right but that's once again this is in a liquor store that's 20 minutes from my house and it really intrigues me like how many people are taking this for granted or don't even realize that this is happening around them and what other liquor stores around me right now are doing this well i mean before you even brought this here maybe two months ago whenever you got the first bottle you was like you have to try this and tried it and it, it was delicious we didn't know that this kind of thing was even possible right and now it's open to this whole world and we're already missing whiskeys that we don't even know about exactly <laughs> to sum up what you do is you go to a distillery in your state you tell them what you want they go out to 
someone like MGP. They source it for you. They barrel it for you. Then they ship it to that distillery. That distillery has to bottle it. They're bonded. You're not bonded. You're a store. Right. You're not allowed to. Right. So the distillery bottles it, puts it in cases, ships it to you, and then you put it on yourself and sell it. Right. And their price point is $50, which is incredibly fair for a single barrel that's gone through all that trouble to create. And, and you can't get anywhere else. And the proof of it is barrel one is 115, barrel two ended up being 117. Okay. Are the mash bills different between one and two? They are not. Oh, okay. No, they are not. So th- that was 60, 35, and five. Right. And we're flying blind a little bit here because we cannot consult anybody on the internet about the tasting notes of this because nobody else can get it. Right. It's a very sweet nose. Mm-hmm. It's um, the nuts, the wheat. I, I get like brown sugar. Yeah, I definitely see that. A hint of cherry. Almost a little burnt sugar. Right, right. Like a well, like creme brulee, creme brulee yeah. vanilla. Maybe a little bit of cinnamon. I just took a sip. Oh, it's so nice. I get sweet, spicy, sweet finish. It's delicious. Put some water in it. Mm-hmm. Scott, open it up. Mm-hmm. It is such an amazing expression. I really like it just raw like that. Yeah. For being 115 proof, it is so smooth. With some water on it, I get more spice. I can see that. Which is crazy because there's no rye in it. Right. Mm. It's terrific. The sweetness really gets you. It's, um, you know, it's the wheat. Like we talked about before when we did the Larceny and the Maker's Mark back in episode 12, the purpose of using wheat instead of rye is to get much more sweetness. Correct. So good. Really. I mean, forgive us for gushing, but it's a point that I'm hoping that when we go to the Maker's Mark later, that it's going to be comparable to this because then I can be like, well, if I need something like this, I know where I can get it. Yeah. Because I know eventually I won't be able to get this. So I was trying to think of what the dominant flavor is for me. And what I smelled originally was brown sugar. And that's what I'm getting. It's as if you took brown sugar and you dissolved it in some water. And that's what you were drinking with an alcoholic bent to it. It's fucking amazing. I mean, definitely. I get the sweetness in the wheat and the corn. Very caramely, which kind of goes into the brown sugar and Mm. vanilla. That's a long finish too. (sighs) Yeah. It finishes very long. I mean, part of that's the proof. Yeah. And a part of it's the proof. Yeah. But the flavor structure is so complex. It, it just stays there in your mouth, like firing off, you know? Mm-hmm. Delicious. So let's take a look at the second one now. Oh my God, I could drink that all day. Yes. And for a price point of $50, you really can drink it all day. If, if, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because of the higher proof, you need less. So yes. If yes. you normally have three big drinks in a night, you're a big drinker. Exactly. This one, two would probably do it. Exactly. All right. So the second barrel, it's the same mash bill. It's two points higher proof, but it's a different barrel. So it's a completely different barrel. I'm yeah. looking at the bottle side by side and they look exactly the same. The color. I can't discern any difference between the color of the two. No. No. It's amazing. No. 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 I can't, Ed. I can't. Don't make me. I think it smells different. The nose is completely different. I mean, vanilla. Dominating. The sweetness is there, but it's different. I don't. There's no burnt sugar. It, it smells like vanilla extract. And almost. There's not the brown sugar that, that nope. we're talking about. No, it's it, a lighter sugar. It's a lighter, sweeter scent. And yet it looks identical. And the mash bill's the same. Dude, how much vanilla is that? I've know, never no. smelled a whiskey that had right. this much vanilla in it. No matter what kind of bourbon I've had before, I'm going to get out the vanilla extract. <laughs> I'm telling you, it smells exactly like that. It's um, hmm. This one's. This is different. Hmm. Scott just brought me some vanilla extract to smell. I fully see what you mean. It's it like exactly the if same. we put some alcohol in the vanilla extract, it would be right there. Well, that's the thing. There is alcohol in vanilla extract. Right. So let's try the second one, see what it tastes like. Mm. So the nose carries through to the palate. It's very vanilla forward. 
it's again lighter in flavor not less dense but not the heavier caramel brown sugar flavors the lighter um fuck it's vanilla i can't get past the vanilla and <laughs> help me get past the vanilla i mean if i had to pick one over the other and it's almost impossible because they're so similar i don't know maybe the second one by a, a whisker really i'm surprised i thought you were gonna say the first one i like both of them but there's something smooth as smooth as the first one is this is even smoother it is and it's a higher proof and it's smoother than the, the other one yeah it's absolutely smoother that's why I get so drunk doing this because I'm doing 115 and 117 back to back right to the head. Oh, God. And a 109.6 coming up. Yeah, that's dessert. <laughs> no, this is dessert. It is some. Um, like uh, sugar cookies. Mm-hmm. What, what's another like light, sweet flavor profile? Um, um, well, like a shortbread in a way. Mm-hmm. Something that's simplistically sweet, if you will. Yeah. Oh, you know what would be great? You mix them together. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that because I have. All right. So Scott's going to mix them together, make our own little two bottle infinity bottle over here <laughs> and see, see what we're doing. We're making an infinity Glen Cairn. <laughs> what do you get from that? Oh, it's so good. You get both flavors. Mm. You get the brown sugar and the vanilla. Oh my God. I'm making a pie. Fuck. <laughs> so like I said, I don't think I've been more surprised in my whiskey drinking career than when I walked into Benashes and tried their homemade whiskey. I remember my thoughts. I was like, oh. Really? You want me to try your homemade whiskey? Because I had no idea how the process worked then. You know, it's like when you go to see a good cover band and they're like, now we're going to play an original. Right, right. And you're like, oh, really? Oh, my God. Just, just you know. No. Just play Freebird and keep it moving. <laughs> Freebird. Free <laughs> but I remember going, wow. This is exceptional. And I bought a bottle right then, and I bought probably three or four more of the first one, and I've already got two of the second, and uh, I'll probably buy two more. But see, now that they made a second barrel, I relaxed a bit, because I'm like, well, that probably means we'll be a third. Yes. And so I don't have to go crazy and just, you know, feel like I have to drink this until it's all gone. It's an amazing thing to me, uh, how different they tasted uh, with the same mash bill and essentially the same proofing. That's the thing about single barrels. I mean, we just did a short earlier today, which will come out after this, for Blanton's and Blanton's is a single barrel. It was the first single barrel. Right. People love Blanton's. People hate it. But it's different every time. And this just hammers that home. Right. And because there's only been two barrels ever of this particular yeah. one that we've had, so we can really compare them. Yeah. And it's a real eye-opening experience to be a part of this. See uh, what's out there, what people are creating, and how whiskey is continuing to expand. Scott and I, after our whiskeymentary on the Prohibition, we said that we felt like in the last 20 years is how long it took for the whiskey industry to really come back to where it was before. Before. Right. And we used the launching of Beams from Tory Small Batch, the Basil Hayden, Knob Creek, Booker's, Baker's, that came out as kind of the launching point of the new renaissance. And if you knew anything about the whiskey industry before Prohibition, you would know how many people were out there making it, how many thousands of distilleries were being creative, product was being made. Right. So now we have all that back again. The, the Pennsylvania and New York rise, the influence of Japanese whiskey, which never existed before Prohibition. Mm. It's pretty amazing because we see the big conglomerates, uh, many of which are owned by uh, Japanese companies, and MGP, which provides distillate for companies big and small, and yep. then also the small producers, like your Hill Rocks, and even your Jeffersons. Right. And then everybody in between. And I think you're going to see smaller distilleries because of the scarcity. As whiskey becomes popular, and the fact that it is an aged product, like we complain about the Blantons being raised and priced on $90. The inability to find Henry McKenna anymore when you want to go out. We were deciding whether to do Larceny, Barrel Strength, or Maker's, Maker's Mark. Mark yeah. To be honest, I went to five places 
was looking for. I, to, I went to three myself. There's out there, but I've missed it. So speaking of scarcity, let's talk about how fucking annoying is it not to be able to go out and buy toilet paper? <laughs> Now, when the pandemic hit and the quarantine began, everybody was not surprised that cleaning products, hand sanitizer, and disinfectant was sold out. That made sense to everybody. Mm -hmm. But everybody was stunned that toilet paper was hoarded and ran out. And I wasn't surprised because if you go back and listen to episode six, I talk about how the greatest invention of mankind was the flushable toilet, okay, which we fucked up by making more electronic now, but that's a whole other argument. So the reason for this is think of anything, okay, anything worse in your life than being trapped in your house without a working toilet. I'll wait. There we are. It's a fucking nightmare. The second (laughs) component to that is being stuck in your house with a working toilet and And no no viable toilet paper. Yeah. So that would be bad. So what happened was people said, I might be locked in the house for two months and won't be able to come out at all. Yeah. So what do we need? Whiskey and toilet paper. (laughs) That's all I would need. I can survive. I'm all right. I don't have to eat every day. I need whiskey and I need to be able to to use toilet paper. Well, if you don't eat every day. Well, right. You don't need toilet paper as much either. You're saving. See? Right. You're saving both. Right. It works both, both ways. It works both ways. But you're still right. Well, you still, whiskey creates some type of, of uh, extra mint, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> once again, this conversation has <laughs> turned shitty. Extra but, <laughs> No, but honestly, scarcity is a big deal. So the reality is you can't order toilet paper online right now from Amazon. Yeah, so I just tried. If you can stump Amazon, it's a problem. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> so now, see, let me give you a little tip. This is a little tip from your old Uncle Ed now. What you do is don't go to ShopRite or Acme or whatever your local grocery store is, all right? The dollar stores, okay? People sleep on the dollar store. You're too good to go. In the, I know who you are. I don't go to dollar stores. I get it. You're special. But listen to me. A lot of people think like that. And you know what they have there? Everything that a store has, including toilet paper. Last time I was in there, I was able to get 18 rolls of Cottonelle, Scott. And that's wow, why the good, stuff. the good stuff too. 18 rolls, a big one. I had to carry with both hands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that's good advice because I saw a video on YouTube. A journalist had actually done an in-depth report on toilet paper and why it's still scarce five weeks after the lockdowns started happening. And the reason is, is there's actually two separate supply chains for toilet paper. There's one for the home market, which is the nice soft cottonelle that everybody wants to wipe their butts with. Word. And then there's the scratchy one ply, really right. The industrial bad. wheel of death. The industrial wheel of death <laughs> that you get in your public schools. Yep. Your office buildings. Correct. And your public bathrooms. Right. And so that toilet paper, there's a glut of it. It's the right. absolutely opposite problem because nobody is in those places. Right. Nobody's using that toilet paper anymore. Right. And it's really hard, apparently, if you're a maker of the industrial type to switch it and make the home type right? and vice versa. So that's why after all these weeks, we still have a dearth of toilet paper on the shelves. Right. Here's your second tip from your uh, whiskey drinking Uncle Ed. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> boxes of tissues. People sleep on that too. Big giant can do the same job as a roll of toilet paper, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes they're stacked in the corner and all the toilet paper is blown out and people are like, oh, what do I do? Grab the tissues. They're actually softer. It's actually a little pleasurable. Try there it sometimes. I mean, it's more expensive per piece, but you know, this is the apocalypse. You, you right. You're to, in the middle of a, a, yeah. right, you're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I'm already spending $100 on whiskey a week. The least I can do is spend some tissues too. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's true. In Target, when I went, no toilet paper, no paper towels, plenty of tissues. Yeah, I don't understand why they're not putting two and two together, no pun intended. (laughs) Good one. In reality, it's like, why not? Yeah. And the other one, there's a third thing out there for those of you who really like to pamper yourself. There's the wet wipes, right? Uh They have have them. Sometimes they're there because no one's thinking of them. They think of it as like a finisher. Like, I do this for the last one. You you, you shouldn't use those because people flush those down and they put oil into the sewage system and the oil and then those wet wipes get together and they form these giant fatbergs, they call them, and it clogs up sewage systems. It clogs up water treatment plants. It's actually really terrible for the environment. Don't use those. How about you design a better system and I get to pamper my ass? <laughs> it's harder to change an entire sewage system than it is for you to use something different on your so ass. So wait a minute. So because society has upgraded my toilet paper experience, making it moist and comfortable and pleasant, I have to use 1890 uh, sewage technology? No. So listen, they had a sewer in Constantinople in 1450, okay? All right? Okay. So the sewer just stayed the same. No, no, We've upgraded no, our toilet paper. No. I'm saying upgrade your sewer. It's time. No. All right. So the, there's big older cities like London who have had horrible problems with this. Correct. However, in the United States, we have water treatment plants. So we take the sewage and we take the gray water or whatever they call it. But to clean that water, if you have all that shit in it, it just makes it more difficult. So it's not that we have antiquated sewage systems. We don't. We actually have very modern sewage systems. But it's just these new things that came along that are actually fucking shit up. Literally. All right. See well, what I did there? Fucking shit up. I'm going to paste in a laugh from another podcast and put it all right here. <laughs> so the weeder. Um, <laughs> we like both of them. If you live anywhere near Cherry Hill and you're lucky, go to Benash. Uh, it's right on Route 38 in Cherry Hill. They have their own weeder. They also have a batch they've done with four roses. And they really care about their whiskeys. So now we're going to transition as I finish up my weeder into Maker's Mart and see what they have to say about the issue of the barrel-proof weeded whiskey and compare it against this local version and see how it holds up. All right. So before we get into this, do you want to take a break and clean our glasses? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to stop for like five minutes and pour ourselves some Maker's Mart cash strength. So we're back. We have Maker's Mark in the glasses. I have a little bit of the combined <laughs> that Scott made of the two different weeders, so I can have it in a glass to compare just to give it a little side by side. Yeah, weeders one and two. And I have another one that I'm ready to put ice on, but I haven't yet. So I will have ice on it. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. We have not really been big fans of Maker's Mark right. until episode 12, where our opinion of it was rehabilitated. We sort of hated on it for a long time. And then when we drank it with a Larceny, we're like, you know, this isn't that bad. 
if you go back 10 years, Scott and I, one night, we wanted to treat ourselves with something we'd never had. We got the Maker's Mark 46, and we were excited, man. And then we had it, and we looked at each other, and we're like, this is terrible. <laughs> right. And we had it again, and it was terrible. And we ended up putting ginger ale in it that night and drinking like bourbon and gingers, and yeah, we were just and, and we were not happy. No. Now, we have not drank that since, and that is definitely a quick taste coming up. Maybe. Yeah. So, or it will be brought up because it's an iconic moment in our whiskey drinking careers. We, we should uh, we should have it out when we're allowed. And it actually brings up emotions in us when I see it on the shelf. <laughs> Like, it's weird. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there oh, you are. Uh, uh, and I see you. it on my feed, like, goes by, like, hey, just got the 46. I'm like, fuck you, fucking Maker's Mark 46. You ruined the whole night You're 10 terrible. years ago. I'm still terrible. mad at you. I hate you. And this went on for years. And then in the summer, we did the Larceny Maker's Mark, and we were particularly ready to hate on the Maker's we Mark. We were. And uh, we poured big glasses of haterade. Cracking and, our hate knuckles. Yeah, and we're like, we're just getting and we ready. drank, and we're like, hey, you know what? There's a reason a lot of people like Maker's Mark. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. It's not bad. So I'm intrigued. Yes. Or what the 46 is going to bring to us. Yeah. So we will probably before the first of the year, we will visit 46. And uh, Scott's going to give us a little bit of background on the barrel strength Maker's Mark that we're about to enjoy. Yeah. So Maker's Mark cask strength, its proof is between 108 and 114. This one happens to be 109.6. The mash bill is 70% corn, 16% soft winter wheat, they call it, and 14% malted barley. It has no age statement, but it is rumored to be about six years. From the Maker's Mark website, through the decades, fans of single barrel and barrel-proof bourbon have inquired about when Maker's Mark would release one of its own. And the philosophy at the distillery has always been to remain true to Bill Samuel Sr.'s taste vision. But in truth, cask strength has always been at the core of every bourbon we produce, serving as the base for the original Maker's Mark and the foundation for the bourbons in our wood finishing series, Maker's Mark 46 and Maker's Mark mm. Private Select. <laughs> God damn you, 46. We're, 46. We're gonna get you. You and us are gonna square off. You'll be redeemed or we will be redeemed. It's like the Newman to our Seinfeld. Hello, 46. <laughs> and after actually tasting this stuff right out of the barrel, our thinking on barrel strength releases evolved. This is Maker's Mark bourbon in its purest form with nothing added to get in its way. If you can imagine the caramel, vanilla, and fruity notes of Maker's Mark turned all the way up to 11, <laughs> you'd have a pretty good idea of what Maker's Mark cast strength is like. Bottled at barrel proof and non-chill filtered, Maker's Mark cask strength is certainly not a beginner's bourbon. It's for the enthusiast, like us, who's after bolder flavors and higher proofs. After being screen filtered to remove wood pieces and char, Maker's Mark cask strength goes straight to the bottle, which wouldn't work with just any whiskey. Maker's Mark cask strength is well-crafted with carefully selected ingredients and aged until it's just right. See, I find it interesting that other calf strengths are coming out at 132, 128, 122, and they're down at 109. It is. I'm wondering if they put it in at a lower proof. You know? I mean, and God. that's and this is what's coming out. I would guess. All right, so um, for this one, we do have um, oh, like lots of reviews. We have right. lots of tasting notes. So, so let, well, let's do us first. Let's you want to do us first? Yep. Oh, first. Okay. All right. The nose is not nearly as impactful as the weeder. I will say that it's not, and it could be because it's slightly lower. I mean, it's not that much lower though. It's like one ten. I'm getting I'm just laughing on ice. <laughs> you spill I it? No, I inhaled some whiskey <laughs> into my nose. Don't ever do that. No, no, it's called the nose. You're not supposed to put it in your nose. I was just tilting it so I could smell it. Also, I realized someone was like, I snorted something. <laughs> it's such a bad look. Hold on. 
<laughs> it's also the, it's a bad sound. The good yeah. part is it spilled into my mustache too, so now I'm constantly smelling it. So yeah, it actually right. helps facilitate. Right. I am smelling a lot of vanilla, sort of just like the second uh, weeder barrel. Yes, I, I see what you're saying. Mm. I'm getting a much milder nose it than, is milder. than the first two. It is milder. In fact, I have them sitting right here and bring them over. Oh, yeah. The combined. Well, and it's, I mean, right there is the, the vanilla brown sugar combination. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm getting a little hints of alcohol. I'm not getting anything from the nose. Are you? Well, I, I want I, to. I, I'm trying. Yeah, I definitely get the vanilla. Mm. Not nearly as much, but it's a hint. I'm underwhelmed by the nose. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't mean anything. I've had whiskeys that were nothing on the nose that were just an explosive flavor in the right. mouth. It's crazy. Right. Like, yeah. there's no rhyme or reason for it. <laughs> there really isn't. Try it. Okay, we're going to try it. All right. Hmm. Huh. Wow, it's d- different. I mean, definitely Maker's Mark. It's got sort of a um, like a floral note almost. Again, there's no rye in this. Mm-mm. Like with the other ones, we were getting some spice, even though there was no rye. Well, like sometimes that can be the yeast they use. Yes. No, this is definitely peppery. Yeah. I'm just absolutely on the finish, especially my mouth. Is, yeah. My mouth is actually tingling. We'll put some water on it. Yeah. See if that changes it. I like it. It's a good flavor. It's good. I mean, I'm getting the stuff that I got out of the other weeders. Also, including the floral and the rye, I'm getting the, the brown sugar and the caramel. Right. But not as much. With the water, God, you get more of those uh, herbal notes. This is strange. This is a strange hybrid whiskey. Well, you can weigh in. I'm going to be clear. Go ahead. It's not as good as the weeders, either one. It's not bad. Only reason is it's a little thinner, which is a great stupid to say at 110. I'm just saying <laughs> it's not thin. But when you compare it yes. with the weeders. Everything is relative. Everything is a little bit muted. Yeah. It's pretty extraordinary that because I totally agree with you. Either one of the readers that we had beats this hands down. Again, not that this is bad because no, it isn't. This it's is not a, bad. This is a singular whiskey. This is actually very surprising to me. Yes. Maker's Mark does not taste right. this intense. And they were saying the, the vanilla and the caramel flavors, but that's not what comes out for me. What comes out for me is this surprising rye-like floral herbal note. I have some on the ice, which has been there for a couple of minutes. So it just started to open up some water. Yeah. I'm going to put more, more water in mine. Mm, that's delicious. I'm going to say that to me, water or ice helps this immensely. Scott, what's your feeling? I put more water in it and now I'm tasting cherry, yep. uh, baking spices, maybe a little honey. There's a very good chance that they don't mean for this to be oh, yeah. consumed straight. Sure. Like a barrel strength are not typically meant to be drank at full strength. It's I'm, actually very nice. I'm getting delicious flavors from it. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is this is $65. The weeders are 50 So I'm thinking right. of that myself too. Right. So, but as I remember what Maker's Mark tastes like, this is not really what it tastes like. So if you like Maker's Mark, I'm not sure you're going to like this. Well, like the website said, this is for a connoisseur. This True. is not for your casual whiskey drinker. And I think the people that we're talking to on this particular episode being that we're up at 115 117 110 proof this is people that like to try different things and upward expressions proof wise right when i look at this by itself as a standalone expression it's definitely the best thing i've ever had from acres mark yeah that's <laughs> true to say that it's unique it's it it's, really is so here's what apparently we're supposed to be tasting i found an in-depth review on whiskeyshelf.com okay on the nose smooth sweet and floral there's almost no alcohol scent on the sweet side there's honey brown sugar maple syrup Caramel vanilla with hints of oak and cinnamon. On the floral side, there's a strong herbal grassy notes with hints of sourdough bread and yeast. All in all, it smells like you're walking through a field in the middle of summer with a pecan pie in your hand going to your friend's house for dinner. I didn't get any of that on the nose. That's the nose? That was the nose. I mean, this guy smelled a story in his head. (laughs) I mean, I smelled vanilla and alcohol. Yeah. 
The palate tastes like it smells. Alcohol is noticeable, but not overpowering. Mm -hmm. The first sip is brown sugar, but subsequent sips bring cinnamon, wood spice, citrus, cherry with herbal notes and sour cornmeal. The finish, not as sweet as expected given its nose and palate, grassy, floral, dry, and a bit bitter like black tea and something akin to salting peanuts. I don't know what this guy's tasting, although the floral notes I'll give him are there. I was like, that's, he had a floral, all right, floral notes, I got that. Who is that? This is Whiskey Shelf. Not the Whiskey Jug, though. No, no. Oh, this isn't whiskey okay, jug. F- look what the whiskey jug guy says. All right, no, what no, are we doing on whiskey shelf? Well, because come on. <laughs> well, I don't want to overuse him. Everyone's no, like, oh, whiskey jug no, guy. As long as he doesn't say red licorice, we're all right. I mean, all right, let's see. Nose. Bourbon spice, wood, caramel, ripe dog fruits, and hints of citrus build up with a mix of notes of toasted greens and vanilla. It's, it's a powerful nose that erupts with a splash of water. It's weird. It's not a powerful nose. And I smell it, and there's this burst of scent, and then it's just, as I continue to smell in, it's just alcohol. I mean, I'm smelling it right now. I don't understand. It's amazing. Like, caramel, toasted nuts, wood, citrus, dark fruit, toffee, molasses on the taste. No, I'm not getting any of that. He loves it. 92 out of 100, he says. I mean, uh, that's fair. Is it? Well, it's a good whiskey. It's not shit. It's a high quality product. I love it. It's the maker's mark I want to drink every day. It's absolutely delightful at full strength, and a dash of water causes it to explode and expose all the complex layers buried within this whiskey. It's not, the, see, I don't disagree with that, though. The water made a big difference for me. All the complex layers buried within this whiskey? I don't think it's that complex. I mean, it's it's good. Again, it's unique, but I think whatever it is about Maker's Mark and whatever their process is or whatever wheat, whatever yeast they're using, we just don't really like it that much. We like it fine, but we don't like it that much. Yeah. I mean, for $65, you really have to ring my bell. Like, right. It's got to be like, wow. And, you know, I'll tell you a secret. Don't tell Banash. Mm. But if theirs was $60, I'd still buy it. Shh. Don't tell Rich and Billy. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, oh, yeah, and now it's 45. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're yeah. so opposite right. of what They're everybody right. else like, does. Listen, we just want everyone to enjoy themselves. <laughs> right. you know, like, we're not looking to do anything crazy. Yeah. I swear to God, I've never, ever, for such a great selection, felt price gouged at Benash. They always try to take care of you. Yeah. yeah. Fair priced, and honestly, they're just great guys, and it's a great place. Yeah, this has been an eye opener, frankly. I mean, local beats national, in, at least in this competition. I mean, it wasn't close. And it, it wasn't and, close. And once again, if we had only done a quick taste on the Maker's Mark today, we would have been, this is good. Sure. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I don't know. What's amazing about it is like, well, the first two were single barrels, so they're singular expressions, but each one tasted different from each other and were so good mm-hmm. that it, it, in our palates at least, beat a nationally known and extremely popular brand. And this local guy just made two of them and the, kicked its ass. Correct. And it's another, it's amazing it's another victory for MGP. Every time you want to get mad at them, they just come up with another amazing product. I know. So um, we're going to probably wrap it up here. Yeah. I feel like we've accomplished a lot as far as opening, you know, a discussion about local whiskey expressions that are sponsored by liquor stores and local distilleries. And it's something that is going to become more prevalent as more and more people follow this whiskey renaissance. As the major distillers run out of product and we keep looking for the next Blanton's and the next Henry McKenna and the next Angel M.B. Rye. And I think if this episode has taught us or you anything is that if you see something like this at your local liquor store, give it a chance. Because it might be extraordinary. Right. Can't wait for the, th- hopefully, yes. the third barrel of the weeder comes out in six months and we'll yeah, drink that. We'll too. do a quick taste of that. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take what we have left of bottle one and two and put them into our vault. 
<laughs> nah, that's a lie. We're going to kill them. Yeah. But it's okay because more <laughs> is going to come. So thanks so much for tuning and listening to us as we explore a local brand against a national brand mm. and enjoy some high-proof wheat whiskey. Great to be back with Scott. Yeah, We haven't recorded in five weeks, and we're mm. probably not going to record for another three as we are yeah. doing our best to Two. social distance. Yep. Listen, the one thing that the pandemic has shown us is that, you know what? We can drink every day, damn it. No one can <laughs> stop us. <laughs> and we have. And um, for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I'm Ed. <laughs> I'm Scott. Stay safe and stay buzzed. Cheers, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our next episode, which is way better than this one. Oh, yeah. Also, follow and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Whiskey Tangent. And follow us on Twitter at Whiskey Tangent. You can follow me personally at That Whiskey Guy. And follow Scott at Giant Cup of Awesome, spelled A-W-S-U-M, just to be annoying. Hey! You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.